0: Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. five. So the Holy Spirit is God. All right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All fully, equally God uh, have eternally existed. So from the beginning all the way, infinite, all that. There's an, an equality there that's very important. And, and we've been talking about more specifically, the the role of the Spirit, and one of the key words there is always going to be presence. That this, the Holy Spirit of God uh, manifests the presence of God among his creation. That is what is, is happening, especially like manifesting among his, those made in his image. So you and I. This makes like God active among us. That's what the Spirit is, is doing. Um, and with that presence comes another important word, which would be power. That there's an empowerment that is there for you and for me. That the same power that spoke the universe into existence out of nothing, and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and recreated him forever uh, same power is here because that's what the holy spirit of god does and even if that's all he told us wouldn't that be enough right right yes it would be that's yes that would be enough like that he didn't have to do anything else you know but he's told us like you take those big ideas in the scriptures we're able to see some specific things that the spirit is doing like what that empowerment and presence looks like last week looked at from jesus's perspective as he's preparing the disciples for not only his death and burial and resurrection but also he's preparing them for the coming of the holy spirit like within them the the indwelling of the spirit he's getting them ready for all that and he gives some really specific things that the spirit's going to do and so you can go listen to last week because uh, I, I don't I need to stay focused here um, but today we're going to look look at what Paul has to say and a little bit of what Peter has to say like uh, when you get past the gospels and after the like once the Spirit has come uh, here's the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter as they are planting churches and growing churches and the like everything is like spreading like wildfire largely due to persecution um what is what is the spirit doing what is happening um but i really want to focus in on one in particular i one idea in particular that uh really sets up everything else you could talk about it is this this idea of being filled with the spirit um that phrase right there for some of you, you're, that doesn't affect you at all. And some of you are like, ooh, that phrase feels weird. Because the idea of being filled with the Spirit in the last couple of decades of the American church, that has become like a thing. It's become divisive. This is one place where your, like, your Pentecostal Assembly of God uh, friends... This is a point, like, that's going to be a point of contention if you were to get into the weeds on some things. And I don't bring this as a, like, point-counterpoint against them or anything. I'm just saying, like, this, this is like a, um, this is a point of conversation. And a, one reason why we have different churches in different places is what, what does this really mean? Like, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Who who gets filled with the Spirit? Is is that something that happens when you become a Christian? Is that something that happens later down the road? Is it happening once? Is it happening a bunch of times? Um, they're just so I want to press into that a little bit today. I want to hop around just just a little bit, but I want to start with start with Jesus. Always a great starting point, right? What would Jesus have to say? Like if the question is, who who gets the Holy Spirit? Like when it comes to being filled, we'll get to that in a second. But like, who how does this work? Because there are some who will communicate a timeline of you become a Christian, and then down the road, as you mature and stuff like that, at some point you get filled with the Spirit. Like it's a second thing. So who gets the Spirit, and when do they get the Spirit, and how does that work? Well, this is what Jesus Jesus has to say, and this is what I quoted in the, earlier. They're at the festival. This is John 7:30, starting in 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink." Here it is: "Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, "Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to, to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So on a timeline, this is before Pentecost, this is before the, the like advent of the Spirit in terms of indwelling people, um, but Jesus puts a condition on it. And the condition is that, in verse 38, whoever believes in me. That's it. That's it. You don't have to try super hard. You don't have to become a uh, a super Christian. You don't start off on the freshman team and then move to JV and hopefully make varsity one day and maybe get a Letterman jacket. Like it doesn't it doesn't work that way. But sometimes in some church, uh, some denominations and in some church cultures, that is what gets communicated. That the filling of the Spirit is it's it's for the really good Christians. But Jesus says, whoever believes in me, out of of him will flow rivers of living water. Whoever's thirsty, come and drink. Jesus puts that condition on there. Paul uh, agrees with Jesus, which is always good. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. That salvation comes to us not because we prayed the right prayer or kept the right rules or because it was just our time, you know, like it's by his grace, the gift of God comes to us when we believe. In Acts chapter two, Peter says this, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. What is that? Is it about baptism? Do you get the spirit at baptism? That's not, that's not the point of what he's saying. You're, you're turning from your self reliance. He just preached this sermon. Everyone in there, it says they were cut to the heart and they were like, tell us what to do. And you're like, you, you turn from that self reliance and you, like, baptism is what like, people who place their faith in Jesus do. So it isn't the focus on the water it's a focus on like what what kind of heart is going through the waters Every time they talk about baptism it's not it's not primarily the technicalities of what they're doing it's it's what has happened to you that you want to declare to the world And so Jesus says it's about faith Paul says it's about faith Peter says it's about faith uh, three times in in the Corinthian letters Paul refers to people as the temple of the holy spirit like where the spirit dwells and lives. Uh, All throughout the New Testament, we keep seeing this, that whoever believes in Jesus, whoever's faith is in Jesus as Lord and as Savior, the Spirit comes as a part of that. That's good news. Right? Like that. And so when we... When we hear people talking as though the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling within you is something that happens later, or something that's for like certain people with certain gifts, uh, those those kinds of things. Whenever that talk is happening, I I don't. I, I mean, I care, but but my accountability, like my heart, is for you people, for us to know the truth when those things are spoken, for us to be grounded in what is really going on enough to be able to hear some of that and it not rattle you or make you question your own stuff. And I know everyone doesn't have, has not had this same experience, but when you begin to talk to people about their church backgrounds and different things, you're, you'll, you'll pick up on a lot of stuff people have heard over the years. And one of the things that's so common is this idea of like I used to be in church, I used to be involved in church and stuff like that, but it just, it just didn't really work out for me. It wasn't my thing. I kind of just got out of all that. And if you were to dig a little bit, some of that is because there's so much pushing to just just be a better Christian, right? Just try harder. Just try to do the keep keep the list you know like to the do these things don 't do these things, and you 'll be fine there's there's always just this like you just need to do more, you need to do more, you need to do more, and it gets exhausting doesn 't it because you 're just failing over and over and over and over again, and I think a lot of it is because people just quit and I remember kind of. More specifically in this idea of like something coming later on, I remember as a college student i was uh, I was with a group from another church at a church camp, and it was uh, it was more of like a it was a much more charismatic camp in terms of like assembly of God Pentecostal kind of churches and they did like this altar call and the but the altar call was not like a prayer time it, it was it was like if you can 't speak in tongues you need to come down here because that's how we know that the spirit lives in you is if you can speak in tongues and if you can't then come on down, we're going to pray that God would, would fill you and give you that, that blessing, the, the, the second blessing, you know, this idea that like you become a Christian and then down the road, something else happens. They're like, tonight could be your night. Maybe, maybe God thinks you're ready to be filled with the spirit And I, uh, I didn't go to down there, but I sat in my seat and I was like, I'm just going to do what they do, but from up here where it's safe. And I sat there and I, I asked God for it. I believed God for it. I, I, I of of like this this thing of like if like you need to be able to pray in a language that you don't know. And I would sit there and I was praying. I just got all emotional and I started like just moving my tongue back and forth to see if it would like jump start it. You know, like, like it's not an engine, you know, like, come on. And that's just, just weeping, and weeping, weeping. And then the group I was with, they felt bad for me. They're like, oh, there's our Baptist friend. Let's pray for him. So they got around the Baptist guy, prayed for him. Wasn't happening. And they were like, well, it's just, just not your time. Maybe you don't really believe, and I'm like tears coming out of my face. Like you're telling me I don't like. It was just it was tough, but that experience was was really tied to so many other times when I just felt like I was trying and trying and trying and trying, and it just wasn't wasn't happening for some reason. Whether whether it was about praying in tongues, which was that was their emphasis, but even just trying of of like to be better, you know. And so I walked in that and it had that experience, and it was deflating, you know. Because it just made, it just felt like everything was impossible that was being asked of of me. And so then you end up questioning, Am I really a Christian? You know, it just goes in all these like tough kinds of places. and What I want us to do as Living Hope is I want us to be able to navigate those kinds of conversations or sermons that you might hear or worship services you might be a part of and different things and to have theological things come our way and for us to be able to filter stuff because we know what the Bible actually says. That's one of my goals, if I can, whenever my time here comes to an end down the road, you know, whatever, I hope that that can be said of us, you know, that um, that we know the word. Um, anyway, uh, so you might be sitting there being like, well, I can't really relate to the like charismatic prayer time, wanting to be able to pray in tongues thing, but I can relate to feeling like nothing you did was good enough. And really it's all kind of tied together because we don't always realize our condition. That Jesus is saying, believe in me. Paul is saying, saved by grace through faith. Peter is saying, repent and be baptized. You get the gift of the Holy Spirit. those things are our reality, but we don't realize it all the time. And so in Ephesians 5, which is where I had you turn like an hour ago, if it feels like. Um, this is, what, this is what, how Peter explains it a little bit. I'm sorry, Paul. You know, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ now it's it seems at first that he's like uh, that this is about not being drunk and to one extent yes the Church in Ephesus lived in a city that had a terrible relationship to alcohol, okay, um, and not too unlike where we live, right? Uh, but theirs was tied to like this pagan worship in a temple, and it was like super, super weird and whatever. So, in part, he is yes, he's addressing a specific thing that these Christians were trying to navigate their way through. But if you look at look at that end of verse eighteen, it's like don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. A couple years ago I did like a word study thing on that those two words be filled and it's one word in Greek and uh, if I could uh, kind of like let's all go back to ninth grade grammar English 1 right for a second let me tell you a couple of grammar things that will kind of help us understand what he's saying there because at first it seems like don't be filled with wine be filled with the spirit but what he's saying there is like way 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 deeper than that so four things about that phrase in terms of grammar that are important the first one is that it is an, it is an imperative like it's a command so it's not an option it's not uh, it's not yeah it's a command second thing is that it's plural like it's for ev- for everyone so it's not like let the, let the super-Christians be filled. It's not let the missionaries and the pastors be filled. It's not none of that kind of stuff. It's a command. It's plural. The third thing is that it's passive voice. Here's what that means. That the action of the verb is done to the subject by an outside source. Okay? The action of the verb done to the subject by an outside source. Okay? Okay? So if you have a bowl and you put that bowl in your sink and you turn on the faucet, that bowl is being filled, but it is passive in this scenario, right? It's not filling itself. So the filling is being done by an outside source to the bowl, which is just sitting there receiving, okay? The fourth thing is that it is present tense, which denotes, that's what it says here, denote the it's a continual action. So you put the bowl in the sink and you turn the water on, but you never turn the water off. Bowl fills up and it starts to just spill over, go down the drain. It's, it's, it's continually filling. So it's a command to everyone to receive the constant filling of the Spirit that is happening from an outside source, which would be from God to you. That being filled with the Spirit is, is something that God is always doing, and he is always maintaining. So the scenario is not where, like, I need to go do something to, to fill myself. It's not that God is the water and you're the bowl and you're like, I need to somehow reach up there and turn the, turn the knob so that the water comes it's like, no, you're just the bowl. You're just sitting there. And God's doing what he wants to do, which is to he's turned on the power of the spirit, the filling of the presence of God, and he's not turning it off. It doesn't matter how you feel, It doesn't matter what your circumstances tell you. It doesn't matter what anyone tells you. It's what God has told us. Therefore, that is what is happening. On your most holiest, most holiest, on your most holy of days, and on your most sinful and rebellious of days, you're still that bowl in the sink. And that water is just keeping you full. Sometimes it, it it seems like we we kind of approach stuff like a like this is all like more like a gas tank kind of situation, you know? Like you get filled and then you go and you live your life and you're kind of like doing your thing, kind of burning through the gas, and then you're like, Man, can't wait for Sunday so I can go get filled up. Or like I need to go get with the Lord so I can fill up. The reality is, according to what Paul's saying here, like, you're never empty. You're never low. You're never below like, an overflowing capacity of the grace and power of God in, in your life. Like That's just never the case. You might feel low. You might be looking for a way to like, explain your behaviors or your different things like that. But, but the reality is, God is not holding out on us, ever. It's pretty beautiful, I think. So... What does this passage mean? well, if if God is continually filling us and that is our reality, it sounds like we just need to be reminded of this, right? You need to, need to be reminded of what is real, and what reminds us about what's real? Well, that's probably why he says, "Be filled with the spirit." Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. When we come together and we begin to sing, what, what is happening here is not that you are being filled, it's that you're being reminded that you are full. Right? That's a part of what the gathering of the saints is supposed to do for us. For months, we we were robbed of being able to do this because of the COVID thing, right? And we had to figure out how to do it. We had to figure out live streaming, and we had to figure out like, can God use a broadcast like this to keep us connected? And how can we how can we do this and this and this? And I remember over and over again, just being like, man, I just can't wait to get back in the room. There's something about being in the room. I'm so thankful. For that God can use a live stream to keep us connected. And that live stream, that is for people who cannot be here, right? You're unable to be here. You have a sick kid. You are sick, you know, whatever it may be. And, but everyone who is watching this live stream or has ever watched this live stream will admit it is not the same as being here, right? There's something about being able to hear other people sing and have people sitting to your left and to your right and in front of you and behind you, and there 's something something about the togetherness, and a part of it is what Paul is saying here: what reminds you that you 're full of the spirit being with the people of God, singing and some of you are like, well i don 't like to sing well, too bad <laughs> that 's what the people of God do you don 't have to sing loud, but you need to sing. And you need to listen to other people sing. It's reminding us of what's real. We go a whole week hearing all kinds of garbage that is completely fake. Being lied to constantly. It's confusing and it's just... That's why God said, hey, don't forsake the assembling together. Don't forget about it. You, you need to, as, as much as you're able, we need to be able to do that. And again, I'm so thankful that, that we're able to take this into people's living rooms and laptops and wherever, whatever it is that they're watching. And so I don't, I don't want to put that down in any sort of way. I think it's a, it's a gift that we live in a day and age where God can use that. And, and I know that he does. But man, not only does he say singing together, verse 29, he says giving thanks Always and for everything, what does that sound like? That sounds like prayer to me like everywhere that prayer is happening in the bible there's there is this gratitude and this thankfulness that is there so what what reminds us of what 's real and true singing together, praying together, and what is the point of it all? doing all this to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus christ it's like let's 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 put the beauty of Jesus out front. Let's make that the clear and and like just the absolute focus of everything. Let's do that corporately. And it isn't that we're being filled, it's that we're pushing all these distractions to the side and we're like, "Oh yeah. This is who I am." Because this is who he's made me, right? And so, in the full context of that paragraph, like what what reminds us of this singing and praying and the beauty of Jesus reminds us that we are full. What makes us forget we're full? Well, his example there in Ephesus is being drunk. When you are drunk, you are not realizing that you are full of the Spirit of God, are you? That was their big struggle. But that example, you could just replace it with all kinds of things. What is distracting you from the reality that you are full? It could be your relationship to alcohol. It could be your relationship to food. It could be your relationship to any kind of substance. It could be how busy we are. Right? It could be entertainment. It could be... The fact that we uh, now have watches that are basically laptops that are buzzing every 10 minutes, telling us notifications about things that are unimportant. It could be, I could just come up with all kinds of things that are distracting us from this reality. And so what is what happens when the church comes together? Well, the Spirit of God is like, hey, let's do this. Let's put Jesus out front. Through our singing and through our praying and through our focus. And let's put all those other things aside so that you will realize that you have been filled with the spirit of God. That the resurrection power of Jesus lives in you. And you can do all things through him who strengthens you. That's, that's what's going on here. That's what... That's, that's the opportunity that is ours. Now, those things can happen individually. Okay, I'm not saying it can only happen when we're here corporately. That can happen just you and the Lord in your room, praying, reading the scriptures, all that. That can happen there as well. The principle that we need is in a variety of settings. Okay? The gathering of the saints. If it ain't happening for just you by yourself or you with your family or whoever it is, uh, this is here as well as a part of the weekly rhythm that at various points dur- throughout the week, there is this opportunity to push all of those things aside and just focus on the beauty of who jesus is that 's what we 're here to do and so I say all that all that to say this: the spirit is keeping us full in order to point us to Jesus. That's why Jesus says, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, come to me. That's the point of all those things is to come back to him. He's keeping you full so that he can point you to Jesus. Now, this idea of being full already and not having to strive for all this, this then changes some of the the things that are real commonplace to talk about in, in church stuff, right? So let's, uh, let's think about the fruit of the Spirit for a second, okay? Paul is writing uh, in, in Galatians, is in Galatians 5, um, and he's, he's basically saying, here's, here's what the God tree looks like. If God were a tree, here's, here's what the fruit of that tree looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. Now, if we look at that list and say, these are the attributes that show up in your life. Uh, Jesus is the trunk of the tree. We are the branches of the tree. And off the end of those branches is this fruit. Sometimes we look at that list as like, here's the things I'm, I'm striving, here's who I'm striving to become. Here are the things I'm trying to do. And so you look at that list and you're saying, okay, well, what's missing? I'm like, okay, most people go right to patience. So you go to patience, you're like, that's it, I'm going to become more patient. And so you start trying to be more patient and it doesn't work. And so you try to find out some coping skills of how to develop patience in yourself and you try those and that doesn't work. you say, God, make me more patient, please. And he does for a little bit, and then you drive across town, and it's gone, right? See, when, when we are in the mindset that we are a gas tank that is depleting all the time, we become self-reliant, and so we feel like it's our job to like cultivate all these things in our lives. And we may not explicitly say it that way, but that's really the that way we approach stuff. Because we're thinking that these are all deficiencies. And so I have to like m- like work hard to make up that ground. So I just have to be a better Christian. Just be better, be better, be better, be better. And then we just keep failing. And it ends up in this cycle where people are like, I'm just done trying. I'm just going to accept that I, I am who I am. Old Popeye, right? But if if we're thinking about this the way the Bible presents it, These are not things that you're striving to become. These are things that you are already full of. You are love because Christ in you is the hope of glory. You are peace. You are patience. Like you are all those things, even self control. Those things are there in fullness. So it isn't try harder, try harder, try harder. You come before the Lord and you're saying, okay, this is my reality. What, what's, what's blocking that fruit from really thriving in my life? It's like when Paul wrote that letter to Ephesus, he's like, you know what's making you forget that you're filled? Wine. You are drunk all the time and you're forgetting who you are. Well, what, what, what is it in your life, you know? what is keeping all the, all the fruit of the spirit from flourishing in your life well god knows exactly what it is to keep with the ag metaphor if 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 jesus is the trunk of the tree and we're the branches and there's fruit he says in john 15 that the father is the vine dresser like he's pruning and going through our lives and cutting out the dead stuff that isn't there so that the fruitfulness can come. And so it's not about trying harder. It's about realizing, man, there's some stuff. There's some stuff that's keeping this from like blooming in my life. God, will you show me what it is? I want to join you in like cutting this out of my life. Like, let's let's do this. I'm tired of living less than full. Even though my reality is full. So it changes how we think of the fruit of the Spirit. It changes how we think about spiritual gifts. Again, I was trying to figure out how to preach this fourth one, because if you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, there's like so much in there. And I'm thinking about just giving July to those chapters, because there's so much that's part of all this, but I think these foundational things are more important. And so I told the early service, if you would like the idea of going through 12, 13, and 14, um, just let me know, because that would be, that'd be great to be affirmed in that. But um, there's just so much that's happening. But when you think about spiritual gifts, if, if you are thinking, man, these are things I have to try to be better at, that's the mindset of someone who doesn't realize that they're full. When you realize that you are filled with the Spirit, you're able to say, I have something to offer here. Like God has gifted me. This is, this is the way Peter, uh, Peter describes spiritual gifts. And, and I, love, uh, I love the way that he breaks it down. First Peter 4, 10 and 11, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, who's, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God provides, in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. It's like the whole point of your spiritual gifts is not is not to like, like give you a place in the church to kind of like make you feel like you belong and that kind of stuff. Those things come and all that kind of stuff. But what's the primary point of a spiritual gift? Is to point back to God. What's the point of the fruit of the spirit? Not to make people are like, man, that that so and so is super. It really is really patient. It's like, no, God is patient. God is kind. God is all those things. And so as we are filled, everything that that spills into, whether it's fruit of the Spirit, whether it's how the church is organized, all of those things, every every bit of it is just going to go back to pointing to one important thing, which is Jesus. It just all comes back to that because the, that is what the Spirit is doing is constantly redirecting everything all through all these different channels of things but the landing point is always look how beautiful Jesus is. That That's it. That's what the Spirit is here to do. That's why he wants to help us as the author of Hebrews said, he wants to help us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. That's what the Spirit is here to do, to help us do that, because we are the paralytic on the mat, right? We have to get to Jesus, and that's not just a like so you can get saved and then go about living your life kind of thing. That's a every moment of every day. I have to get to Jesus. I have to get to Jesus. How can I get to Jesus? I need a helper. I need a divine helper. And God and His love for us has provided exactly what we need. And so sometimes I think we look at our lives and we're like, well. I don't live a very power-filled life. And I think I've said this almost every week in this series. It's like uh, In that scenario, we need to be very confident that the problem is not the Lord. That like he is not withholding. The problem is going to be us. And often that starts with the fact that we're just maybe not asking, you know? Maybe we're just not asking Him to be reminded that we're full. It's not about stri- like striving and trying harder. It's about this realization of what God has done and how beautiful Jesus is, and and that we're but we're involved in everything. Of course, we're 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 in tandem here. But it almost feels like we're just we've been approaching things maybe incorrectly. And so, so much of it comes down to doing exactly what Jesus said to do. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Maybe we've convinced ourselves that we're not thirsty for various reasons. Usually, because we kind of try to doing it ourselves. I was thinking about kids and how like, I don't have kids, but I know people who do have kids, and apparently, when kids want something, they tell you. And they tell you over and over and over again, right? I can remember as a kid when the uh, J.C. Penney catalog would come, and then the Sears catalog would come, and we would sit there for hours and look over it and narrow down the things that we wanted to ask for for Christmas. It was just us? Were the only ones? And we would ask and ask and ask and ask. I remember my pastor growing up. He said he said that he, one thing he learned to do was. He would just he would wait and see what his kids ask for repeatedly over a stretch of time, you know. Like when they're persistent, that's how you know what they really want. But the thing is, when you're with kids, they'll they'll want something and they'll ask for it over and over again, and then but kids eventually grow up and they become self sufficient and then they just quit asking. They just go get it themselves. You know? And I was thinking about that in our relationship with the Lord of like the times where I've gone through where I'm asking for stuff. And it's almost like I just shift gears and suddenly think like, well, I'll just go get it myself. Maybe that's why Jesus looked at children and said, you guys need to be more like them. Asking God to move, asking God to help you push aside all the things that are distracting you from the fact that you are full Asking God to use times of worship, times of being in the scriptures, times of prayer, all these things to remind us of the reality of what he has done and the beauty of who Jesus is. And that's how you know that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And those times when I was told that it was about this one particular spiritual gift, that that's how you know you have the Holy Spirit. That's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. How do you know that the spirit lives in you? Is Jesus beautiful that's what he's that's his whole job, pointing us to the beauty of jesus and when when we see that Jesus is beautiful and we celebrate that as we sing or as we pray, uh, whether it's the first time you've ever sung and prayed about him or the millionth, it doesn't really matter there's There is this beautiful reminder that God is present and active among us. And so that's how we're going to close our time this morning. Is we're, I mean, we're going to sing because that's kind of what we do, right? But we're going to sing some very Jesus-focused songs. And here's here's my hope. I told the first service this, and this is this this is this is what hopefully we'll be able to leave with. This is that as we put Jesus front and center and keep him there, and as you're just kind of like, man, he really is just. The best that that will be in this encouragement from god of saying yep you're full the spirit is in you and active and moving that that would be the evidence that we're able to say yes jesus really is just absolutely the best and so let's stand together those of you at home i would encourage you to just sing with us you know Let me pray, and then we'll sing some songs, and then we'll uh, then we'll go. Father, thank you so much for this time together. And there's so much that's that's kind of looming, you know, as far as distracting us from this reality. And so we don't want to be filled with whatever those distractions are. We want to be filled with the Spirit in the way that you talk about. Like we want to realize that we are full. <laughs> and so if we're not there at this point, I pray that as we sing, you would get us there and... We really just want to focus on how incredible Jesus is because when that happens, everything else falls into place. That's why Commandment One is what it is. And so, as we sing these songs and as we just really just put the amazingness of Jesus in front of us, would you remind us all that that is the evidence that your spirit is at work? And for those who are especially um, just maybe unsure about this whole thing, unsure that they're loved, unsure that you live within them, unsure of being filled, would you help them maybe in these moments? Would you help them to walk out with that great confidence, not in their own awesomeness, we confident that you really have done what you said you've done. And so we look to you, the author, founder, perfecter of our faith. We hold you high above all else.